The investigation into the high school massacre is slow moving and dangerous. The two gunmen who went on the rampage booby trapped the building and even themselves. All day long, investigators have searched the homes of both teenage killers. In one of them, police say they found bomb making materials. It was supposed to be just another school day at Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado. What happened there on April 20th, 1999, however, has gone down in history as one of the nation's worst criminals. I want to begin by saying that Hillary and I are profoundly shocked and saddened by the tragedy today in Littleton, where two students opened fire on their classmates before apparently turning their guns on themselves. One of the worst school shootings in U.S. history, the murders at Columbine High School last April, and it's still fresh in the country's mind. Now, a new twist. Police in a New Jersey town discovered a satire, a movie of the Columbine shooting filmed at a local school. And now, as Michael Ayala reports, they've arrested two amateur movie makers for weapons possession. This is Death by DVD, and I am Harry Scott Sullivan, your host. I'm Linnea, and I like Death by DVD. It's a statement. And on this episode, we are going to be talking about a movie that may be one of the greatest definitive representations of American culture. American culture is something that is often debated, and there are naysayers. They stand there and they say nay. There is no such thing as American culture. Everything that is American culture comes from someplace else. For example, baseball. It's just a ripoff of cricket. It's English. Hot dogs. As we're talking about baseball, what goes better with baseball than a hot dog? Well, that's just a German sausage. The pizza comes from the Italians. Mamma mia! American culture. It's just a ripoff. But to those naysayers, I also, I say nay against their nay. Alright, that wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. It was funny in my head, fuck it. But to those naysayers, I've got something to tell you. You're wrong. There are some things that are distinctly American. In fact, they're so distinctly American that they are a part of American culture. Let's name them. Number one on the list, we've got eugenics. That's right, eugenics. Now you might be asking yourself, what is that? And before you have to look it up, eugenics is the study, the erroneously wrong and immoral study, of how to arrange a reproduction within human population to increase the occurrences of heritable characteristics regarded as desirable. You know, what the Nazis were trying to do while they were exterminating the people they felt were undesirable. Eugenics. Now isn't that fun? Hot dogs, you think that's American, but it's German. Eugenics, you think that's German, but it's American. The more you know. Tell it to your friends at work. In fact, this whole episode's gonna be family-friendly. Bring the kids out, get the elderly, the neighbors, bring everyone around. 100% family-friendly. So that's number one. And I know, if that's number one, what's gonna be number two? It's slavery! Now, slavery wasn't created by the Americans, but wouldn't you say that the entire country really was built on the blood, sweat, and tears of slaves whose descendants to this day have no reparation or apology for it? I'd say so. I think so. 
and those descendants are treated worse than anybody else in the country. Prejudice, nationalism, racism, whatever you want to call it, is at large in the United States of America. Slavery is abolished, but in a lot of places, I'd say most places, the treatment of people is definitely unequal. So slavery, it may not be at its creation, at its root American, but it sure is a great way to define this country because how else would it have been built? Yeah, this isn't fun, is it? First we started with baseball and hot dogs and now our eugenics and slavery. What possibly could be number three? There are so many things. There's just so many horrible things. This one deserves a drum roll, though I think we should have a drum roll. It's a school shooting. That's right, school shootings. That's the most American thing culturally. I think there is nothing more definable to American culture than a school shooting. It might not have started originally with us, and they say, according to Google.com, that the very first school shooting was in around 1891. And we're not gonna talk about the semantics and the details and the history or why it's caused. Well, scratch that, because later on, I don't know, maybe we will. This is gonna be one of them, their roller coaster episodes. We're gonna go up and down and all around. So I shouldn't be too specific of what I will and won't get to. School shootings happen all over the world, and what we're going to be discussing isn't even the first one of its era, but the most well-known, the granddaddiest of them all, and beyond the school shooting, the dynamic of the school shooter and how it happens, and how it happens to now be a part of American culture. Violence is the core of this, and violence is certainly American. Now, I know you can't get like a caption. It's not like Gene Simmons getting the copyright for the money logo. Violence isn't just American, but I mean, at the same time, it goes back to the whole, whole country was built by slaves. You don't think violence had a part of that? It's all a root. But we're not gonna get too fucking Freud, and we're not gonna get too fucking young. I don't know, I might make a Nietzsche reference, because I do that a lot. I, I have My bag of tricks is, is not too many names anymore. I think it's like the same ten guys over and over again. After 13 years, I'm sure you people are fucking tired of it. I am. Yeah, no, please keep listening. Was that discouraging? Uh, the beginning of this whole episode may be discouraging. Oh, no. But bear with me. We're going places. I got points. Maybe. Identity as an American is a very strange thing. I've, I've been overseas, and, and it's, while I, it's funny, while I was overseas, there was a school shooting, believe it or not. And my friends were, I was in Australia, they were asking me, how does this make you feel? And it was, it was very terrible, it was an awful situation, because I didn't feel anything. It's not that I didn't care, but this was 2018. School shootings by 2018, what, two or three happen a week? Columbine was April 20th. 1999. The release of this episode, well, it happens to be April. And I'll be honest with you, I find it strange that we don't have a Columbine Day. We've got something like Pearl Harbor Day, which I, I don't understand at all. What are we celebrating? What are, are we mourning? Do you get sushi on Pearl Harbor Day? What do we do? What, how do you deal with something like that? We don't have a Columbine Day. We don't have this day of remembrance where we all have hot dogs and wear USA flag t-shirts and remember what happened. And, and ammunition at Walmart is 14.88% off. And looking at our society, an American society, I don't mean to disclude all of our European listeners, but you, you take this listening to an American rave. I'm surprised that 9-11 hasn't become some sensational grilling thing. Everybody goes and shoots fireworks and grills, has some German sausages. Where's this rant going, Harry? Does it have a point? Yes, it does. It hit me at that moment, regressing back to my story about being in Australia. I felt really dirty. I felt really awful to be an American. Because I, I didn't really care. I, it, it, okay, it's terrible. There's a school shooting. But from Columbine to now, there have been a lot of school shootings, and admittedly, there have been shootings in other countries. And it's neither here nor there. This isn't a true crime episode. We're not going to be delving deep into the history and the semantics about it. I've already said that. But violence itself is, is unconditionally American, and we are all, whether we like it or not, desensitized to it to some extent from from what we see on tv especially the news on this fine program death by dvd last year i did a whole special on christine shubik and the whole point of that special was without her death nobody would know who she was to this day the only way people learn about it is through two fairly poor movies that are about her life and then clickbait articles 
That's what violence and school shootings have become summed up as in the United States. They're just clickbait articles. You click through, you see the, the grieving, terrible parents, but you don't feel anything anymore because it happens all the time. And I'm not assuming you, the listener, has these feelings. I'm speaking freely here. Sometimes on Death by DVD, we have very in-depth episodes where we talk about the entirety of the movie and everything that happens and the subtle nuances and the colors and why things are done this way. What is the director trying to project to us? Sometimes we have very political episodes where we talk about the same shit, but the political meanings of it. I can't do that for this movie. It would be mundane and boring and pointless and, 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 and just pointless. It would be so fucking stupid to sit here and start, well, at the very beginning of the movie, this is the very first shot, and this is what happens. I, 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 would, I honestly would like to do a commentary someday, depending on how this episode turns out. Because I think I, I would be able to say a lot of what's on my mind easier than what's going to end up happening with this episode. I don't even think I've, I've said the name of the movie. But it is what it is, and you've got what you've got. I, I am very freely, I need to say this before we really get into things, this is my opinion, this is my thought, all of this is, is all on me. It does not reflect anybody else at Death by DVD. We're just going to talk about this movie, and if you haven't seen it, well, gee golly gosh, it's going to suck. And I don't expect you to to have seen it, which makes things even more difficult, but also, on another hand, makes it nicer that I'm not going to delve into things and, and completely ruin it for you, because this movie is very easily available for the very f first time ever. It's on fucking Blu-ray. It's wild, this movie's on Blu-ray. And I'll tell you why in just a few minutes. Because I've mentioned American culture, so you could think we're talking about something like, born on the 4th of July. No, fuck no. <laughs> oh, God, fuck no. It's even better than that. And, and what's better than Vietnam exploitation? Tom Cruise playing a legless Vietnam vet rolling around fake drunk with a cigarette in his mouth. Oliver Stone, God bless you, you fucking bastard. Uh, he gets Academy Awards for that sort of shit, and it's just Roger Corman, man. You know what? That, that's an insult to Roger Corman. I don't think he ever exploited people as badly in his movies. That's right, the man that produced Death Race. 2000. I don't think he ever exploited people as badly as Oliver Stone has throughout his career. Or, you know, there's there's so many other numerous nameless soulless assholes you could put that title to. And that's not what this episode's about. I'm off subject. So we've got that out of the way. We, I, I had to put the personal disclaimer on here. And, and while I'm doing the personal disclaimer, we're talking about school shootings already. I'm sure it could be upsetting and, and triggering. So listening discretion... As an American, I can say in the last 30 years, there have been a multitude of things that have happened that have drastically changed culture, and they have nothing to do with sports. They have nothing to do with food. Columbine was one of them. It changed the world for a very short period of time, then of course 9-11 happened, and then after that, violence just became a part of culture. You have video games, punk rock, metal, Satan, horror movies, all these things banned for it. But from the fucking Revolutionary War forward, war, violence, death, destruction, shooting, guns, it's a huge part of American culture. It is definitive of American culture. Violence is American. There is no patent, but it's American. April 20th, 1999. Two students killed 15 other students at Columbine. We know the story. Everybody worldwide knows the story. Six months after the Columbine High Massacre, Duck, the Carbine High Massacre, came out on video. Now, of course, MGM didn't release something like this. Oh, no, 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 no. This wasn't Miramax. Harvey Weinstein didn't sit down and look over this film. No, no, no. This is shot on VHS as VHS. And I don't want to get too deep into the production of this movie because available right now, I've mentioned this, you can own this movie on Blu-ray. Saturn's Core, one of Vinegar Syndrome's sub-labels. You can go to VinegarSyndrome.com and this is how I recommend finding the movie. Click Partner Labels and find Saturn's Core. It's a great Blu-ray. They put a lot of hard work into it and I just don't, there's no point in me rehashing the things that are on that. I want you to, if you're interested, go get it, see it, appreciate the work that was put into it. And that's what will make this episode differ from... Our, our, I don't know, last 20 or 30 episodes, the whole audio drama aside. I've talked about this before on the show, and I, I, I you know, have long diatribes where I mentioned that film, movies, it's my favorite form of art. And I get long-winded, and I bring up shit like Paris, Texas. But this movie, specifically, makes me feel a great deal of emotion. Duck. The Carbine High Massacre. And I, I kind of just am going to, in a few seconds, go one, two, three... 
And I'm just gonna start shooting what I have to say about this movie. So like the film, this episode will be chaotic. But that's a good thing. Sometimes, it's just nice to talk. You're here, I'm here, it's like we're together. I've been thinking about this, Mr. Han. If I'm here and you're here, doesn't that make it our time? So let's go. One, two, three, duck. The Carbine High Massacre. I think this is, is maybe the darkest, bleakest, blackest satire I've, I've ever seen in my entire life. I think the best way to describe this movie is if like Fassbinder and Andy Kaufman made a movie together. Rainia Verna Fassbinder. And that and that's my real thought on the thing. It's it's Andy Kaufman level satire and it's it to me is genius. I, I think <laughs> I think it's beautiful and it's such a, a bizarre, terrible word to use to describe for all intents and purposes, a Columbine exploitation film. And I don't like describing Duck, the Carbine High Massacre, as a Columbine exploitation film. Which sounds fucking stupid, because the name of the movie is Duck, the Carbine High Massacre. And we all know what an exploitation film is. If you've listened to Death by DVD, I would expect you to fucking know what it is. And if you're a first-time listener, and for some reason, Duck, the Carbine High Massacre, I'm just gonna try and say the name of the movie over and over and over again. If somebody count, and if you get it correct, I'll give you a t-shirt. Fuck, that means I have to count how many times I say it in the episode. The title itself is explicit. But I think it's a cop-out to describe the movie that way, because they're are other exploitation films that I think this kind of takes a lot of spirit from Last Tell Us on the Left. And Island of Death, which is funny because those are the last two movies we've talked about on Death by DVD. I see the wonders of the day. Millions of people left like clay. Millions of whispers saying so if you heard that episode great because i'm going to talk about them a little bit more on this episode i've read a lot of reviews for this movie joe bob briggs most infamously reviewed this film and i'll, I'll maybe parrot him a little bit without meaning to i don't mean to bite on what he has said about the movie i just i, I agree with him on a lot of instances not everything though there is a website called letterboxd i love letterboxd i'm not trying to shit on it but there are a community of assholes on that website and the reviews for this film on letterboxd are ridiculous and it really made me question, it was one of the driving forces why I wanted to ramble out of control about this movie on Death by DVD, is reading the reviews for this film of, of what the fuck? How can so many people miss the point? I go through and I'm looking at your profiles and it's all the same sort of thing. They all love Goddard. They all have Elaine Delon profile pictures. I get their jive. I, <laughs> I understand it. But when I saw this movie for the first time, it, it completely shocked me. Me and my best friend, we downloaded it. We skipped school and we downloaded it on his computer. We'd heard about it from older kids. We heard about there's a fucking Columbine movie. We heard that it was like a snuff tape. We knew the name, we found it, we downloaded it. Obviously wasn't a snuff tape, it has a fucking soundtrack. And that was it, you know, we, we went and got high and drank some of his dad's beer and went and did some miscreant punk rock teenager shit. I didn't think about the movie for years and years and years until I got an email from Vinegar Syndrome saying, hey, guess what we're releasing through our partner label Saturn's Core, Duck. The Carbine High Massacre. And I went, oh shit! And I relived that memory and I ordered the movie and I sat down and I watched it and it just blew my fucking mind. It 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 really blew my mind. And I watch shit all the time. It's all I do. I, I work on this show and I watch movies. I watch a lot of movies. And I mean, I watch a lot of movies of, of various genres. I'll go from Elaine Delon and Jean-Luc Godard. I'll get stuck watching artsy-fartsy shit for three days, and then I'll watch Godzilla movies for six days, and then I'll binge shot on video movies from Baltimore, Maryland that were only filmed between 1985 and 1992. I like movies. 
I watch a lot of stuff, so I intake a lot of emotion is what I mean through all of this. You see so many different types of art. You see so many different types of production. It, you become desensitized to things, just like culturally we've become desensitized. And I don't mean this you know, largely. I've already said that for everybody, but... Culturally, I, I, I dare you to fucking argue with me. School shootings don't matter anywhere near as much as they used to. They matter to the people that are involved in them and who are the survivors and who has to bury their dead. And I don't mean to be insensitive. I'm not trying to be crude or crass on the subject matter, not at all. But it's true. It's, it's nowhere near as important as it used to be because it happens so fucking much. It's just like you, you turn to your pal like, God damn, another one of those. Woo! There's a fucking war going on, 22,000 people killed in 24 hours by the Russians. There's all sorts of terrible shit that happens all the time, constantly, from 9-11 onward. 1999, going into the early 2000s, it just became, uh, I would, I want to say the most violent era of American history, but that's not true. The, the Vietnam era was incredibly violent, the Cold War was violent, the Russians going into Afghanistan, we went into Afghanistan... Before that was violent, and I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, you've got the, the descendants of these slaves that were brought to this country. Every waking moment of these people's life has been prejudice, violence, never the same chances that white people are given. And that's undeniable white privilege. It, it's 100% a thing. And even when you look at something like school shootings, it's always the same problems. More often than not, I would say white people are more desensitized to these things. Take that however you want to. When violence is a part of your culture, violence becomes a part of you. And that leads us into Duck, the Carbine High Massacre. Hey! Hey! What's for lunch? Duck? you're familiar with Columbine, then that's the movie. But what we have here is something very, very interesting. There's a movie called Last House on the Left by Wes Craven. And in that movie, we are shown some of the most despicable acts committed on film. Well, at least at that point. Or at least until something like Salo came out. Rape, murder, torture. It's awful. We're shown this through these actions of four characters. You're horrified while you're watching the film. It, 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 it's, it's painful. Last House on the Left is a despicable movie. It's beautiful, and it's despicable. It's terrible, and it's art. It's wonderful, it's brutal. It's sensational, and it's painful. Throughout that movie, the roles change, and I think you are given the sickest display, possibly, I mean, I, I, I'm speaking freely here, but in my head, what I can name, to me, the twist in Last House on the Left is, is one of the sickest things in the world, because you get to these vicious murderers staying at the home of the parents of the child they just killed, and you begin to identify with them. The parents are very bourgeoisie. You start looking at the killers, and you start feeling bad for them. I think that is 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 crushing. I mean, that's paralyzing. It's one of the most clever, beautiful things I've ever seen in a horror film. Duck. The Carbine High Massacre. What am I fucking talking about last house on the left? I, I'm getting there! The entire movie, to me, takes that principle and it magnifies it by a thousand. It enhances all of that emotion. And, what, and when you see that in Last House on the Left, it's so brief. I don't think it's a, a, a nail-driving point of the movie, but... There's a few sequences through that film where things transition and you start seeing things, not through the killer's eyes because we've been seeing it the entire way through their eyes, but we start emoting with them because of them just being a common Joe, which is what made them so terrifying in the first place. They didn't wear masks. They weren't boogeymen. They were just men. When Columbine happened, it was sensationalized so much on the media, it was the only thing that was available on the news, which also is a key to desensitizing people to things like this. You see it so constantly, it becomes hard to care. 
I mean, you had vultures, people like Nancy Grace, they had to get their scoop, people camping out in the parents' yard who had just lost their children several days beforehand, and they stayed for months. The same thing happened when JFK Jr. died. I mean, it was just a media circus. In the late 90s, that, that's really where it became uh, all-out no discretion. The media was fanatical. There was no privacy. There was no safety. People couldn't even mourn and bury their children. The exploitation began the moment it happened. And it became a part of culture the moment it happened. Six months later, this movie comes out. All right. This looks like as good of a place as any for us to take a quick commercial break and play a brief word from a sponsor. It's more like Schoolhouse Glock. This April marks the 23rd anniversary of the Columbine High School Massacre, the school shooting that rocked the nation. As of April 2022, there have been 22 school shootings this year. Wow! 114 school shootings since 2018, 34 of them last year alone. 20 in 2022 and 24 in 2019 and 2018. That's a lot of bullets. When you send your child or children to school, you expect them to safely receive their education without any threat of violence. You never expect antiquated gun laws allowing lethal weapons to fall into the hands of youths, but they do. Frightco has been protecting families since 1936 with affordable death and dismemberment insurance. And now proudly, we can offer families Frightco's new school shooter insurance. That's right. With Frightco, you could save 6.66% or more on school shootings. If little Timmy is in trouble and you can't get there on the double, you can rest assured. Mum's the word. Frightco is here and you have nothing to fear. With 6.66% or more savings on school shooting insurance, you can take the whole family to Disney. Well, the ones that survived. Why change gun laws when you can save 6.66% or more with Frightco? Are guns the problem? No! You just need insurance. Frightco, saving you 6.66% or more on death, dismemberment, and school shootings since 1936.
Directed by William Hellfire and Joey Smack, may you rest in peace. They were both arrested after this film came out. Not because what they shot was illegal, not because it was offensive, not because it was raw, not because it was crude, and sure you could describe it as those things, I won't, but you can describe it as those things. But because they took firearms on school grounds, they were investigated by the FBI, the ATF, all the acronyms, helping possibly make it immortal. But I think a film like this would have lived regardless, and their whole point behind doing this was incredibly transgressive. It was because it was going to be done regardless, and it's it's really humorous to me. It hasn't. It fucking hasn't been done. Duck, Carbine High Massacre is the fucking definitive, not only culturally American movie, re culturally representative American movie, but it is the fucking Columbine movie. And I know Gus Van Sant made his little thing elephant. I don't give a fucking shit about Gus Van Sant's elephant. And I like Gus Van Sant, man. Don't get me wrong, he's fine. I have nothing against Elephant 2. I thought it was a artistic movie. It's fine, but it's a, it, dare I fucking say, Elephant is Duck the Carbine High Massacre exploitation. And it's not as good, it's not as fucking emotional. Not at all. That's what gets me with this movie, that's what made me want to talk about this movie. I, I sat and I rewatched it and it just, it hit over and over and over and over again. It, it, you feel dirty laughing at a lot of the things that you see in this movie. And let's just try and go back to the beginning. Before this becomes unhinged ramblings, or furthermore, unhinged ramblings. This is a shot-on-video movie. We don't talk about a lot of things like this on Death by DVD. Our original run when we were a live show, we covered everything. We covered so many different horror movies. We did. A, we had a whole shot-on-video special. And as we've moved the last few years into our new era, the final era as I call it. We don't talk about a lot of horror anymore. We do and we don't. We talk about a lot of well-known horror. We have our Video nasty show. We have a whole Andy Milligan thing. But we don't deep dive. We don't talk about the other versions of horror. We don't go far into the underground. I've talked about Fred Vogel on this show before. Nathan Hines, think talked about Victor Bonacor a few times. I'm sure I'll mention him later on. But we've not really gone into the far dangerous, as some people like to call it, end of horror, and this really sits in that genre. I personally am a huge shot on video fan, and I know it's it's very hard. Some people can't stand it, some people can't get past it, they can't deal with the production values, but I love shot on video because it's hard, because there are difficulties. I like looking at the bare minimum of what you can get made with, with the bare minimum. This movie was shot on a budget of around $6,000. It was shot on SVHS cameras, and I believe edited on digital, very early digital. Might have been Adobe. It's rough. It's unprofessional. Amateur. Indie. I hate terms like that. They don't define anything, and it's like these arbitrary ratings. Letterboxd. I like Letterboxd. I use it pretty addictively. But the whole idea of only having five stars, uh, and for any rating, we used to do the whole cult system on Death by DVD, and we've long abandoned it because it's just bullshit trying to fit something into this rating that, it, it, sure, it's the point of criticism. At one point, it was the point of Death by DVD is, is we're movie critics or whatever. And I'd much rather just emote. I, I don't feel that I can always shove something into a rating. On one hand, you could, you could give this movie no stars. On the other hand, you can give it five stars. It doesn't matter. It's all arbitrary. And I know I'm all over the place with this, but it's it's this is more of an emotional piece. I think that's that's really what brought me to this. And I, I've started the story three times, and I know I've gone off on tangents all three times. But I sat and I rewatched this movie, and I was floored. There was no sitting on my phone goofing off. It was atrocious. It was vile. It was shocking. And it's it's you feel absolutely filthy when you laugh at some of the things that are featured in this movie but the way things are presented to you I just have the hardest time seeing how people fail to understand where it's coming from and understand the point and the directive of why this movie is so impactful why this movie you might say tasteless but I think is fucking tasteful I think and uh, I've heard it's been described this way before it's a beautiful movie you know, this is not some groundbreaking statement. Oh, the guy on Death by DVD said this Columbine exploitation movie is beautiful. It's been said before. This movie's been praised. It, it's getting a wide release now, but it's had praise. It's been an underground hit. It, it's, it did well at conventions on its original run, uh, its first VHS run, and then it got a, a disc release, and now it's reliving a new life through Saturn's core and Vinegar Center. 
And so, I, you know, saying that I'm, I'm aware I'm not covering new grounds here, I'm, I'm just adding more, I guess, to the pyre of Duck the Carbine High Massacre. I don't need to share some high school story of, of, of relation to things. It's not a matter of, of outsiders looking in. Jumping back into perspectives in The Last House on the Left, what makes this film so, I don't know, I don't want to say ironically beautiful, but ironically beautiful, is we are perceiving everything through the shooters. And this is a fictionalized version of what happened at Columbine, but for all intents and purposes, this is Dylan and Eric. The leads of this film are Derwin and Derek, played by William Hellfire and Joey Smash. And for the most part, they take on the imagery of... Dylan and Eric, they resemble them, a lot of things that were iconic with the case that was very well known right off the bat, the Nazism, the trench coats, it's all developed, it's all brought into the movie, and visually it's it's very disturbing and shocking for those reasons, it's, it's over the top for those reasons, but I've seen people describe this, I've read reviews of this movie as comparing it to something like South Park, <laughs> which I, 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 I have a, a bit of respect, oh, a bit, let's be honest. I have a lot of respect for um, Matt and Trey. I, I think they're really genius guys. I really like what they do. No way, Flutes are totally gay! I don't think... I think if you really think... I mean, there's a great portion of South Park that, yeah, it's dick and fart jokes, and, and you know, they've sold the product and made a lot of money, and it, it's mainly whatever now, but I think a lot of what they have produced is, is beautiful, deep satire, and... Funnily enough, talking about things that have become American culture, South Park has become American culture, Cartman's become American culture. I will give you tacos! Well, go put that pizza in the oven, bitch! I'm hungry! And it, it, it's, it's kind of woeful. You see people comparing this movie to South Park, and then it's, it's a moment of reflection of, well, do they don't get what that's coming from either? And it, it's a half-and-half half sort of thing. I'm not going to sit here and try and defend some dickhead like Dame Cook and, and talk about the early 2000s and how humor was different back then and you could be edgy. Thing, things were very different back then. It's not the same ballpark. It's woeful and sad that they're put into the same little box. I think box? this movie has so much more to offer and from the very first scene, you, you just start completely with both barrels and it never stops. It, it's either incredibly offensive, some of the most offensive stuff that I can say I've seen. Some of the shit that's in this movie is just over the top. It's over the line, it's too much. Over the line! I'm sorry, Smokey, you were over the line. You're already dealing with incredibly sensitive subject matter, that being school shootings and, of course, it being Columbine. But the themes, the jokes, the satire laid within this movie is iconically American, and it just is a descending staircase that just keeps going down further and further and further into depravity. But all these things, all these depraved things that we are shown and that we're witness to in the movie, they happen to be definitively and very, very American. So the movie itself isn't doing anything that you don't already live with that you aren't already exposed with on the news. You hear about 12-year-olds getting fucked on the news. This movie happens to make a satire about that. You hear about kids buying guns and going bowling before they shoot up their entire school. This movie makes a satire about that. This movie makes a satire about racism, parents that don't care, drunks. And on the subject of parents that don't care, abusive parents, parents that don't even physically abuse but are so neglectful because they're drunk, because they're substance abusers, we go into so many different territories, and it's not like a Dr. Phil episode, it's not like Steve Wilkos is standing there chiding people, you're exposed to things on such a gritty, raw, desperate level, it's painful, and it's, it's fucking shot on video, so you're, you're struggling. It's not Leonardo DiCaprio, Joaquin Phoenix isn't giving the performance of his life, you don't have Jerry Leto, who's been living with the parents of a school shooter, learning every motion through method acting. You've got a really raw portrayal, and most of the performances, well, this is a bit of a stretch, but a lot of the performances are ab-libbed. I will say, William Hellfire and Joey Smack, most of everything you see on screen, they wrote and had a precision for. They, they had a directive for what they were doing with this movie, what they were presenting to you on screen. What you're seeing 
all has a point, all has a reason, no matter how offensive it is, and it's fucking offensive. I'm not gonna lie to you. This is a shocking and disturbing movie, and I made a reference at the beginning of the show. It's like if Andy Kaufman and Rainier Werner Fassbinder were one person melded together. It's just, it's, it's diabolical. I don't feel that it's out there to hurt you. It's very transgressive. You've got a uh, cinema of transgression. Nick said he just passed away. It's like that. It's it's in your face. It it it, it it's. I mean, yeah, you got even John Waters, Pink Flamingos. It's made to emote. It it's made to make you feel something. It's made to shock. It's made to have awe, and it's made to uh, exploit. But not Columbine. It's not made to exploit the pain. It's not made to exploit the culture. It's not made to exploit the death, the woe, the suffering. I've been rambling, I've been talking about how school shootings are cultural, they're part of America, they're part of American identity at this point. What this film didn't do was play on that, it didn't take advantage of that, it didn't abuse that. What this movie did was parody and, and, and sensationalize the media circus. It took advantage of the sensationalization, that's the word of the night, and turned it back on itself. This movie, if you find it shocking, if you find it disgusting, if you find it depraved, if you find it tasteless, if you find it the most horrible thing you've ever seen, I, I really question your reality. What news do you watch? What do you, what do you look at? Even reading the paper, you tell me anything worse is in the newspaper? Get on fucking Twitter and just scroll through. 22,000 people bombed to death. Pictures of cats. Will Smith hitting Chris Rock memes. My wife's name out your fucking mouth. that's the thing right now all your violence is given to you on a plate with everything else here you actually have a moment to look at everything we're delivered all of this through the killers it's remarkable to me because you emote the entire time you're shocked you're disgusted and it, it's not a justification we're, we're given at the very beginning of the movie a producer's note stating that this is a fictionalized version of what has happened and that they are sensationalizing it on it first before fucking lifetime does and i mean i was making fun of born on the fourth of july but but look at movies like that the green berets the john wayne film that was filmed and came out they filmed a vietnam movie in fucking north carolina there's giant evergreen trees in the background yeah tropical vietnam look at this beautiful douglas fir that was shot and created while the fucking war was going on but this is tasteless that film itself the green berets is exploiting the vietnam war and it's the same situation there that was really the first time in american society that you had the war brought home to you you could come home at five o'clock from a hard day's work and turn on the news and you could see your son uncle brother friend the boy from next door getting killed by charlie over in vietnam as the war and possible solutions to it are discussed in other parts of the world the results of the north vietnamese offensive were an unforgettable reality here in south vietnam long after the fighting all of this will remain part of the long heritage of the Vietnam War. Any conclusions to be drawn from this pre-dawn attack, it's this, that the North Vietnamese are capable of coming through South Vietnamese lines like a state. Jim Bennett, ABC News, Duncat. They showed villages being napalmed on the news. And Apocalypse Now came out, what, a year, a year and a half after the war was technically over? But that's all fine. That's okay. Because those things are exploiting the situation, those things are extending it just as the media has. When you make fun of the media, when you exploit the media, that's where things become problematic, and that's the situation with this movie, because it, it is offensive. I mean, I can't beat around the bush with the things you see. Some of the dialogue is over the top, and we can talk about, oh, it's over the time, but what's remarkable is the situations that you're going through, and you're going through these situations as two people, you know this, what this is, it's a fucking Columbine movie, you know the two people that you are watching are eventually going to wreak havoc and kill their fellow students, something that is reprehensible, something that you shouldn't be rooting for, but what we're giving in this movie is... Mind you, of its era, six months after Columbine, running with what was known, running from the other angle, and giving you a different perspective of it, and it's supposed to make you feel dirty. 
And I, I, I further reference Last Also on the Left, when you get to that point where you realize, man, I kind of feel bad for Krug and company, that's sick. You're fucked up for feeling that way, but the directors did it on purpose. You're not a fucked up bad person. It's the experience of watching the movie, the transgressive nature of being able to watch the movie. And when you're watching something like this, it's so fucking raw. And that term is thrown around very often for not only underground film, but shot on video films. Fred Vogel, you hear, oh man, August Underground was so raw. It can exponentially mean you're talking about the violence or how the film was shot or it's shot on video, so it's very raw. In this situation, everything from the performances, whether some things being overacting, some things being unprofessional. You've got the wonderful Misty Monday playing a character in this movie who I, I have to say next to Hellfire and Joey Smack, she's the best. She gives off such a believable performance in a schlock movie, but it's a schlock movie that is, is schlocking what is the culture of the time. You couldn't turn on the TV in 1999 to fall of 2000 without something about school shootings, and then it just became like a domino effect. It became such a part of our culture that you turn on the TV and see something about school shootings, and you go, oh, fuck, I wonder if Judge Judy's on. At some point, something changed. But what didn't change is the effect of this movie, being able to watch it years later, years after Columbine, years after that it becomes such a part of us. And I mean that as an American, so I'm only speaking to our American audience at that point. Don't take it personal. That you don't care anymore. But not this. This movie still fucking offends. I just think that's genius. I think something that can manage to have its spice, to, to be dark, gritty, painful, raw, all these things, all these adjectives and verbs and nouns that I'm just throwing out years and years and years later. To me, I guess it's the whole point of the show, why I, I wanted to do this. I know it's all very disconnected, and this is different than what I usually serve at the Death by DVD table, but the feelings that I got from rewatching this movie... I mean, honestly, they, they re-sparked my love for filmmaking. I've, I've very briefly talked about it on Death by DVD, but I shot an indie horror picture. Well, I didn't fucking shoot it. That's improper for me to say. A guy named Phil Crawl shot it. But I worked on an indie horror film, Dark Tales from Channel X. Hi, Cassie. Hi, Mr. Barrel. Thank you for coming on such short notice, Cassie. It really shouldn't be too difficult of a night for you. Easy peasy. There's a 20 on the fridge if you want to order yourself something to eat. I got to act in it, and I, I worked on the production, I got to work with a lot of different actors, and it, it was an invigorating, beautiful experience. And I, you know, you, you go back home, I work on Death by DVD, spend most of my time watching movies and working on Death by DVD. It kind of goes away from you, and, and this movie brought so a multitude of emotions, and this is on a very personal level, and I, I, I'm going to cut this off here in a second, because I don't really want to talk about anything personal on this episode, aside from my emotions to this movie, but as a compliment to William Hellfire and, and Joey Smack, although he's no longer on this plane of existence. May he be surfing the void happily. A million sunshine down But I see only one When I think I'm over you I find I've just begun The years move faster than the days there's no warmth in the light And how I miss those desert skies Your cool touch in the night Benson, Arizona Blue warm wind through your hair My body flies the galaxies My heart longs to be there Benson, Arizona The same stars in the sky but they seem so much kinder when we watch them, you and I. I think Hellfire would at least take this as a compliment. It, it sparked an interest in me in picking up my cameras and writing again. This has given uh, a whole new plane of, of thought to me because something like this, something so offensive. So, and, and I can't, it, it's, it's, you can't, you can't skirt that under the rug. This movie... Any way you look at it is offensive. There's got to be at least one thing in the movie that's going to offend you. I mentioned a little bit there's some very vulgar language. There's a lot of words that I'm sure would trigger a whole bunch of people and upset them. 
Probably shouldn't say this, but there is a character that's just called Retard, that's the character's name. And you can say on one hand it's a sign of the time, but it's as reflective, it's a, it might be more important now and, and more powerful now than it was then, just because so many people, so much of our culture has become desensitized to things that are presented in this movie. It's not nice. It's not safe. It's a dangerous movie. I don't think this movie would cause school shootings, but it's a dangerous movie. It, it could cause problems with your psyche. It, it could trigger you to feel things. I, 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 I've put warnings on a lot of episodes of Death by DVD, and we're, we're almost done with this one. And, I, you know, bringing it up again, listening discretion, obviously, should, I guess, be advised with every episode of this. But art is fucking dangerous. Our art at its core is dangerous, and that's what makes... That's what makes art so so beautiful and so pure. There are so many multitudes and formats of it, but it, it, it is a dangerous object. It is forever changing. It is for, it's not fluid with you. Art is forever moving. It has no shape. It has no form, but it can be a razor. It can be a knife. It, it can be the bleakest satire in the world. And I don't know, I, I, I think at the end of this, coming here is a, a big point of me coming here is my disappointment with people's reactions to this movie. I don't know what to make of this episode. For the most part, at least for the last year or so, we've tried very hard to have a, a structure of sorts to episodes. There's a point, there's a theme, and at the end of the show, we've discussed all these things and it's tied to you in a nice little neat bow, but you don't get that this time. I've remarked on it, I've lost my place and restarted my sentences over and over and over again, but I, I just... I, I'm almost fanatical about the emotion that I got through watching this movie. I think there is a distinct purity at the satire. I think it's something that is, is very, very missing from our culture right now, and this is a subject I guess you have to dance around because there's a lot of offensive things that are out there. There's a lot of things that... You shouldn't have to be subjected to. There are a lot of statements, words, phrases that are, aren't acceptable anymore, and you, you certainly shouldn't have to be subjected to. But you watch something like this, and you look at what it's representing. If you can get past the frame of mind that this is for shock, that this is purposely to bother you, to shock you, if you can get past that, you can see the subtext and see what is being offered here is is just parody of of america parody of americans itself i'm sure a big problem with this movie is it was massively and mostly known in america so americans are watching this and they're going well that's not how we act yeah it is yeah it is there's a part of this movie that was deleted it's a deleted scene where they talk about bulletproof backpacks bulletproof hats bulletproof t-shirts that's real that's a part of our culture right now they have bulletproof backpacks they have a sweatshirt that you can buy that can sustain shots from small arms such as 22 caliber handguns that they sell with high school logos on it and sports teams We've become desensitized to this shit, whether you want to fucking hear it or not from me. You can, you can hear this episode and take whatever you want to from it. I've tried to disclaim. It's, it's my opinions and my thoughts. I don't think I'm coming from an alien place. I don't think I'm being offensive. Neither do I think Duck Starbine High Massacre is offensive. It's just painting a picture. It's just a Polaroid developing in your hand, and you look at the picture and it starts coming into frame, and you might not like how you're standing. You might think you look fat in the picture, but it's the reality, it's the truth. It's what was caught on film. And what I mean by all that is it's a fair representation of American culture. I don't think anything that's shown in this movie is far off from the depiction of the shooters and how they are treated for being outsiders. And I'm not by any means making any claim of, of, of sympathy for Dylan and Eric. This isn't about that. 
I'm talking about the characters in the movie Derwin and Derek. You're shown sympathy through their angles and the representation of other students, whether it be jocks or Christians or goths or whatever other subculture. I've been out of high school for a long time, but I can say this is what it was like. Being a little bit weird, being a little bit different. I don't think you have to be an outsider to enjoy this outsider art. And it is. This, this is outsider art. But just like exploitation, these are all terms and phrases that don't fucking mean anything. Because when you lump stuff into these boxes, it's outsider art, it's indie art, it's indie horror, it's this, it's that. You, you start judging things already. You start looking at it. and Well, it's an independent shot on video horror movie, so I know it's going to be blah, 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 blah. It doesn't fucking matter. The, the mindset that you have to look at this movie, if you're an American especially, is that this is America. Duck Carbine High Massacre, it, it is 100% definitively American culture. And what makes it immortally so is the fact that it came out six months after the Columbine High School Massacre and it, its reasonings for doing so. The exploitation of the exploitation. It's completing the flat circle. It's completion. You can sit down and watch a Nicolas Cage 9-11 exploitation movie where he plays a brave firefighter going into the falling towers. How is that not offensive? How is that on a different scale? Because it's a big budget movie? Or because it's a goddamn Oliver Stone movie? That's the, the core lesson of this episode. Oliver Stone's a bastard, man. Now that's a funny twist for this episode. Oliver Stone somehow became my whipping boy. But yeah, I don't know. Fuck Oliver Stone, I don't care. Scarface is alright. I really feel like I should have done a commentary for this movie. I think that would have been more productive and I, I would have been able to get a, a lot more emotion out. Who knows? Like I said at the beginning, I may go ahead and do that. And I, I it, this is a, a, a weird episode because for the most part, Death by DVD, you listen to the show, I, I would hope it would encourage you to watch the movies or to go on your own exploitation adventure. We have the whole Video Nasties series, which is encouraging to watch the Video Nasties. We're telling you about the movies. We're giving you detail as to what's happening in those films. A lot of the episodes that just feature me, we really deep dive and you get my, my personal opinion on things. And this is nothing different than that, but it, it's, it's a challenge. And I think, as I've said, it would just be baffling and disappointing and it would have no purpose to tell you what happens in this movie. It's an experience that needs to be taken on its own. And I think what, at the end of the day, when if you watch this film, if you get to the end of this movie, the, what you have to ask yourself is what did it make you feel? And maybe reflect on my commentary of, it's just a part of our culture now. School shootings, whether you like it or not, unless we do something about our gun laws, unless you get rid of them like the Australians did over that dude Bryant, whatever. Martin Bryant? Nailing all those people over there in Tasmania. It's just going to keep going on. And this isn't a fucking commentary or statement either about gun laws. I don't have any interest in talking about that today. This just comes down to violence. I mean, this this is really where I'm at at the end of this episode and what I'm at with this movie. I just think it's a beautiful depiction of us. And it's 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 not beautiful in it's not beautiful like you know a Monet painting. It's it's tragic. It's so dark and it's so dreary. But it it is a very fair American depiction, especially coming out of the, the dystopic Trump years and moving into a further dystopic future. No matter who's in charge, it it just seems so pivotal to me seeing this movie in 2022. And, and the reflection that it, it cast on our society, it's just remarkable. I think it's really scary. I think this movie itself is really scary because it is a representation of not 
I don't want to say the youth of America. It's a 20-plus-year-old movie at this point, but the youth of America in 1999 and the youth of America in 2002 aren't that different. And it's not them. They're not the problem, and we're not the problem. It's 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 culture. It's, it's what we are. No matter what I'm saying, someone's going to have a fucking issue with this. And it's subjective. But truth be told, I, I mean, I, I'm harping on the same chord here, but what is more definitively American than violence? Every piece of history, everything that comes down to American history, it is covered in blood. It's coated in blood. George Washington killed his enemies on Christmas while they slept. And that's how we won the Revolutionary War. Well, I feel like I'm just going to keep repeating myself. So I'll try and wrap things up here. I think this is a remarkable movie. It's so rare to find something that is legitimately dangerous, and in the vein of Last House on the Left, that movie is dangerous. You've got the whole story that there were 30-some-odd rapes caused by that movie. Art is dangerous. You don't see something as courageous as what you get from William Hellfire and Joey Smack. And I'll be parroting Joe Bob Briggs here, but the end of this movie is truly haunting. The depiction of the massacre we see, there is so much comedy within it, but the very final moments of our two lead characters, it's... It's heartbreaking. No matter when you watch this, it's the youth dying. That's what's really magnificent about this, is the way that they were able to project all of this, that they were able to project our culture so quickly, so so immediate into your face, and it, it was shock and awe from the moment, and people not understanding where it's coming from from that very moment. You'll sit and watch this on TV and have no problem with the news coverage, but this movie's offensive. <laughs> If you're not going to play the game, if you're not going to pretend, if you're not going to be an actor, you're a threat. You're, you're an outcast. So we have been up and down and all around. I've repeated myself. I've chased my tail a handful of times on this episode, but I think I've gone somewhere. Maybe. I don't know. Buy the ticket, take the ride, duck the carbine high, massacre, you can own it today on a fancy schmancy Blu-ray, no longer looking for bootlegs, you can shock your senses from your very own home. Joey Smack, co-director and co-star, passed away in 2019, and I salute his travel into the void. His work and his art lives on forever, especially with the Blu-ray that I've mentioned, several of his 16mm short films are available to see on that. I believe Joey Smack's final work was for the great Victor Bonacore's Blood Wings as a cinematographer. And through things like that, he lives forever. A lot of what you see in this movie, I think, is, is made by his performance. I think he's terrifying and is the personification of the youth of America. A thousand faceless youths killed through school shootings by school shooters. He manages to take all of them as a mask. You see a lot of disdain, a lot of darkness. You see a lot of discomfort within his performance. Joey Smack and Misty Monday both really give emotional, heartfelt performances in this movie that are terrifying. And there's ridiculous stuff in this film. They buy a nuclear bomb off a Chinese website and blow it up in a park. There's a lot of humor. There's a lot of echoes of, of how we joke about trauma and how we years and years later have celebratory barbecues for terrible, terrible tragedies that happened in our past. Thank you.
So the next time you're at a baseball game, or the next time you're eating a hot dog, the next time you're wearing a red, white, and blue t-shirt, think about the blood-soaked culture that is Americana. And remember, duck, you don't know who's out there. You have been listening to Dirty Harry Sullivan, and this is Death by DVD. The ashtray is full, and the bottle is empty. Rest in peace, Joey Smack. That is not dead, which can eternal lie, and with strange aeons, even death may die. Until next time, pleasant tomorrows. Death by DVD is recorded in front of a dead studio audience. Portions of today's programming have been mechanically reproduced. Death by DVD is broadcast from on top of the Blue Crystal Sunshine Mountain in any town USA with transmitters on top of the Empire State Building. Wish you a pleasant good night and good morning. So now we are soldiers, we never stand buried, but we know that present danger needs the